Hey everyone, and welcome to the Living Movies Podcast, brought to you in part by Water and Shade Media. I'm your host, John Schindel, and I'm joined this week by Jared Bateman, and we're here to discuss the movie Soul. Quick question okay. uh, before we like dive right in, just so I know like <laughs> generally what page you're on. Um, did you really enjoy it? Did you think no. it was like meh? Was it awful? What was your like big impression? So my big impression was that it was boring. It was yeah, it was boring. It seemed it seemed really preachy, like overly preachy. Beyond mm. beyond the other Pixar movies, it was preachy. Um, it had great music. I, I really enjoyed the music, and I, I enjoyed the the animation of the music. You know, watching watching the gal play the saxophone was really cool. Like I kind of wanted to see more. Oh, I I loved all the scenes in the real world. Those were all fantastic. The stuff in like spiritual space was just way the heck too trippy. But I don't know. We can get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, the other thing that bugged me with this movie is I, I don't, it, it didn't seem to know what it was. It went back and forth between, between being like a midlife crisis movie and then it was a body swap comedy and then it was a metaphysical something or other like a pink Floyd acid trip or something. And it just, it was all over the place. And some of the times the jokes landed and other times they were just awkwardly placed. And you know, they would, there would be a serious moment and they would cut away to a joke and you'd be like, Oh, why? It was, it was a good serious moment. And then you, you ruined it with a joke. I feel like there's the body of a, of a good movie in there, but it, but it's just dead. It's, (laughs) It's it's buried beneath this, this thing that is what this movie became. I mean, I don't think it's, I I felt like the opposite watching this than I did watching onward, watching onward. I also came into it with like meh expectations and it was very meh. I thought kind of like from the get go and it got better. And by the end I was like, that was a good movie. This was like the opposite. We're like started out and I was like, Oh, this might be kind of cool. And then it ended and I was like, that was meh. Yeah. I don't know. I was, that's, I was my, really that's my initial impressions. We can, we can dive yeah. into more detail. I just, okay. No, I, I, if you were like, Oh my gosh, it was like the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't want to just like totally tear <laughs> into to rain it. On my parade. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, I have to rein in my brother-in-law here. He's ruining it. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. That's funny. No, I was I was severely underwhelmed by this movie. So let's let's do this. Let's start this out right. So spoilers ahead for the movie Soul. We're going to we're going to spoil the crap out of this because I just caught myself. Um so yeah, spoilers. So now that I've said that, uh I was enjoying myself until Joe falls down the pothole and dies. Yeah. That's like, exactly I was, how I felt. I was having a good time with the movie and then he was dead. And I was like, but that's a real dumb way to die. (laughs) It's a very PG way to die. Off screen. Yeah. And then I was, 
And then the the questions just started rolling through my head. And I know we'll get to some of these later, but but gosh, the question of, well, so is he's in a coma, but his soul is not in his body. So does that mean coma patients' souls are not in their bodies? Yeah, there were, there were just there were lots of metaphor, metaphysical questions that this podcast yeah. uh, brought up, and and I spent most of the movie thinking about those instead of watching the movie, and then the second time I tried to watch the movie, I was just bored by the movie because I didn't care about the metaphysical questions anymore. I felt like it was definitely a Pixar movie, not a Disney movie. That's true. So there's that. It's just like style was much more in line with other Pixar movies, but it did not have the kind of polish that I would expect. The things that happened in the world they created didn't always make sense. Yeah. And usually, I mean, come on, it's like Pixar does all kinds of things we used to spend belief, right? I mean, they had a movie about what if cars had feelings like, (laughs) you know, they could pull that off. Um, So... So we're willing to suspend belief for the sto- the sake of the story, right? But this felt like there were just so many things that you had to suspend belief about that it just kind of like the world itself sort of stopped making sense. Yes. Like the whole there's depressed souls wandering around this wasteland, and but it's also like the same place where people go when they're like in the zone stuff like that that just didn't make an awful lot of sense yeah and and it just kind of like ended up like you said you're just kind of like these are weird questions that are just kind of like tugging me away from joe's journey Uh uh-huh which i was very interested in seeing it be resolved and and the fact that it wasn't really is what made it <laughs> no. instead of being a good movie, just kind of a meh right. overall impression at the end. Yeah. But I think there was also a lot of, there's definitely a lot of good stuff in it. I think that had some good messages that overall are not as frequently spoken. So it does have redeeming value. Yeah, it's like I said, there's there's the body of a good movie in here somewhere and it just it gets lost in all the nonsense. It's just six feet under or something. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Hmm. Okay. well, let's let's uh, let's actually get into what we normally talk about here and then we'll poop on the movie a little bit more later. Um, So the the music in this movie, I thought this was interesting. So the the music in this movie, so the jazz songs for the New York City segments, those were created by John uh, Batiste. Batiste. I've heard the name. I know he's a famous person and I'm slaughtering his name. So it's one of those names that you always see and never hear. Exactly. So it was all the jazz songs were by that guy. And I thought it was interesting uh, in the review I was reading, they said that he wrote simplified jazz. So it wasn't like real jazz for the most jazzy of jazz people, but it was jazz that people like me who don't listen to jazz can can understand mm-hmm. and enjoy. And I, I liked that. I thought it was I thought it was well done. And then the uh Let's see the new age metaphysical segments, the music in the in-between place. 
Those were done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who are from Nine Inch Nails. So there's some interesting crossover there between. Uh, I would not have guessed that. That is fascinating. <laughs> right? That's why I said it. I saw it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But apparently those guys have worked with uh, some other filmmakers and, and have done film score type music. That's, you know, that dreamy and ethereal type music. So uh, apparently they do that, too. Uh, so Jamie Foxx voiced Joe Gardner, which was really cool because uh, Jamie Foxx has, I think he won an, Ac- an Academy Award for Ray Charles and his portrayal of Ray Charles. So uh, this is kind of a thing for Jamie Foxx now is doing musician-centered movies. So I I, I thought that was kind of cool. The character 22 was voiced by Tina Fey. So she brought her uh, comedic genius to it, I guess. And then there was a whole list of cast that I just didn't know. A lot of a lot of uh, black singers and songwriters <laughs> and just people that I I don't know. And I feel kind of bad that I don't know, but I, I don't know them. So I'm not even going to say names because I, I just I don't know who they are and I don't want to slaughter their names. So I, the cast was great. I thought all the voice acting in this movie was was really well done and on point. Uh, but that's all I have for cast and crew and kind of technical info on this movie. I, I I didn't I didn't look into anything on the animation or anything like that. I I just know that the, the animation was fantastic all over. I thought it was really good. That was like one of the first things I noticed was I mean I was kind of going into this expecting it was going to have kind of a cartoony look, very similar to like you know, the Incredibles are up or something like that, but it has a very different feel. Yeah. Um, and I really, really liked the, the cartoonist style to it. The, the motions of all the people and things are very realistic. Um, it really feels like they're, they're moving in a way that things actually move. It's very lifelike. Um, even with some kind of cartoony facial features and things like that. And, you know, definitely some slapstick stuff, but that's what really drew me into like wanting to watch it was because of just how fantastic it looks. Yeah. And which was totally unexpected and I loved it. And it's why I really loved about the scenes that take place on earth is they're just so beautifully rendered all the motion and everything. You just, you know, you want to see, you know, Joe walk into a shop and order a bagel or something because it just <laughs> looks so good and so right. Well, and then anytime anybody was playing an instrument, they, you know, I'm not, I'm not a horn player. I don't, I don't play brass instruments, but I play the guitar. I play the violin. So, you know, I've been around bands and I've watched people play and it looked like they were doing i mean yes they're cartoons but it looked like the cartoons themselves were playing the actual music that was being played which is not something you see in movies a lot a lot of times if you're a musician and you see someone with an instrument and they're supposed to be playing music you're like yeah you you don't know what you're doing just well you just you expect it to be kind of a cartoony caricature of it even even in like live action movies Uh uh-huh oh yeah I mean, I guess, I guess we've, we've started going away from that where you're, you're starting to try and have actual musicians be in movies like the, was it the, the movie, the queen movie? I don't remember what that one's called, but 
they had, you know, people who could actually play instruments be the cast of that movie. So and guess- they actually did similar with Soul. The animators that did the musical instruments and did those segments were actually people who had played um, usually oh. the instruments that they were modeling. Well, that that makes a so lot of sense. They they actually had kind of weird subject matter experts doing that, which I, mean, I guess when you're as big a company as Disney Pixar, um, you can definitely pull from the cream of the crop and find people who are like, all right, you know, who played trombone? Congratulations. Make a right? trombone. <laughs> Man, those are some interesting job listings. <laughs> Do it right. Um, which, I mean, again, like you said, looks great. Oh, it so, was awesome. Kudos. Well, and, and seeing, you know, watching Joe's fingers on the piano as he played was just, oh man, I love, I love watching really good people play instruments. So it was, it was fun to watch Joe play the piano because he was really good and his, and it looked real. It was, that was, I think that is, that is far and away my favorite thing about this movie is the way that they integrated the music and the visuals of playing the music. It was, it was fantastic and specifically for jazz i think is another yes. thing um like that the scene where he's you know essentially having his tryout with the band uh, my <laughs> brother did jazz band for several years he was a trumpet player okay and i remember going to some of his gigs and stuff like that and it just yep that's kind of what it looks like nice and, um so it really it felt like jazz specifically which i think they did a very good job of kind of capturing that um, kind of subculture of the music industry and and did a really good job of that here's kind of another kind of side thing so i mean we're, we're watching this movie as a family and you know felix he's little he's not going to necessarily jump in on every scene uh-huh. but whenever the jazz music scene would come on whenever there was a scene like that it piqued his interest and he would start kind nice. of paying attention and dancing along. It was really kind of fun. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's take a, let's take a quick break and then we're going to talk or we're going to come back and we're going to dive into the meat of the story and see uh, just why we think it's not all that great. So we'll be right back. I know we talk about movies here, but something that's also important as parents is spending quality time away from screens, which is something that can be difficult. So I'm really excited to bring you Rooted Childhood. So each month of Rooted Childhood offers a curated set of stories, poetry, books, and eight simple handicraft projects, along with a detailed supply list, video tutorials, and beautiful photos for inspiration. Now, Rooted Childhood will help you spend quality time with your children instead of spending that time coming up with the next activity to do. This is something that my wife has used in the past when life just comes at us too fast and we need some help to figure out the right things to do with our kids. And it's been awesome. So if you're interested in finding out more about Rooted Childhood, follow the link in the show notes of this episode to check it out for yourself and to start exploring all the things that you can do with your children. All right, so let's talk about the characters in this movie well, and some historical context. So I think, and correct me if I'm wrong if you know, but I think this is Pixar's first movie featuring a black lead. Mm-hmm. Which I hadn't, honestly, I hadn't even thought about until I started um, kind of digging around and looking at the movie more. And it was like, oh, it shows up in like the 
you know, Black History Month section of your streaming service or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, all right. I, I guess it is kind of themed around that. But it's, Joe's a really interesting character. He is. Because I think he's somebody that we can all see in in so many people, especially those who are striving for the arts, um, who enjoy those intangibles of life. And so it really makes sense that he's kind of our protagonist here. Well, I think it's it's even more than just just musician type folks. It's the fact that he's a he's he's kind of a, I mean, I, I wrote here that he's kind of a middle aged, washed up musician. He's going through a midlife crisis. You know, he he has he's had this path in his life. He's had dreams that that he has. But life has just dealt him the wrong hand. Like he he can't get gigs, even though he's a phenomenal pianist. He can't find gigs. He can't do what is what his heart's desire is. And and so now he's, I don't know, 10, 15 years into a career that he wants nothing to do with that he's just kind of had as a supplemental side gig to his real thing. And I think there's a lot of parallels for that, even for those of us who, you know, we work, we work desk jobs or we work blue collar jobs. And, you know, you get to a certain point and you kind of look up and around and be like, what am I doing with my life right now? I just, I go to work, I clock in and I leave. Like that's, that's not a, that's not a that's thing. That's not that what I went to school for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in some of our cases, I did go to school for that, but you know, I guess that's a different story. Um, I, but you know, it's, it, I, I think Joe is an approachable character, not just to people in music, but, but to anyone who's in a job where they look up and go, I, my, my passion isn't in what I do, and so I, I think you're absolutely right that Joe's a phenomenally uh, relatable character, and I think they did a great job writing him as that. And that's, I think, partly why this film disappoints, because his answer is not satisfactory. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a good it's a good start. Um, and, and I think the film and I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't exactly correct, but it's really got a very existential philosophy. And, mm-hmm. and there's some truth in that. But really, your, your kind of takeaway and what you're left with at the end of the day is not good enough. And that's how I really felt kind of at the end of the movie is like that wasn't quite good enough, but there was some really good stuff in there about like what you do is not who you are. Yep. And I think that's a really good message, you know, and it's not just like, well, you know, if you work and strive hard enough, then, you know, you can get your dream, um, which is kind of like the, the stereotypical Disney you know, less than quote unquote moral. And and this is really about, yeah. So he worked hard and he got his dream, like at the very beginning, <laughs> it's like the beginning of the movie. And, <laughs> and then he does it and he's like, but I'm not like sunshine and rainbows anymore. Like now I just have to go back to work. Yeah. Even if work is like back here doing this even if you know, gig that I love. Yeah. Even if work still, is the dream, you're just, you go back to it. And so uh-huh. you know, what do you do? How do you survive spiritually when work has been cursed? Yep. Even good work. 
And so I think the film tries to kind of give some answers, but ultimately falls short because what we are looking for as human beings is purpose. Yeah. And the movie really fails to deliver on that, I think. It, it tries. So when I finished watching this movie, I was reminded of uh, we sat down and watched The Muppet Christmas Carol because it's one of my favorite movies. It's a movie we watched every Christmas growing up. And so I think we've watched it. I've watched it with the kids at least the last two years. And I, I still love it. But I felt the same way coming out of that movie this last time as I did coming out of Soul saying, all right, so at the end of The Christmas Carol, Scrooge learns the lesson that he can't just be a mean, nasty person, but he has to be nice to people and he has to live in the spirit of Christmas. And and I got to the end of the movie this time being like, well, that's all fine and good, but I mean, that might make your life a little bit better, but that's not, that's not all there is to life like i i don't know i i felt i felt a lot the same coming out of that movie as i did coming out of soul like it it's trying to answer the question that everyone is trying to answer and there's there's no real answer to it until you find purpose in life yeah and and and, you know not to get preachy but in my opinion and i think it's true and right I think the only purpose in life is, is in, in spiritual matters at least, is in chasing after, chasing after God. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and and obviously being a secular movie, there's only but so far they can answer that question, and I I think they took it about as far as they can, and I think that's one of the reasons it's almost depressing at the end, being like, I, but now you're looking. And, uh, but, but you're going to end up in the same place because anything you look at is always going to disappoint you. Yeah. And, and kind of his, his way of coping with that at the end is, is realizing that, you know, so all along he's trying to help this preborn soul find its spark. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that spark is passion is, you know, what you're doing in life, Right all these other yeah. mentors like him, other other souls that are sort of in this uh, purgatory of sorts are, um, you know, great mathematicians or philosophers or politicians or whatever. And you, they can see their purpose very clearly and they kind of can show how, how life had all these great things in it and yada, yada, yada. And he feels like his only purpose in life is, and therefore his spark is to be this great pianist, this jazz musician. And what he finds out is spark is just a desire to enjoy life as it is rather than mm-hmm. a, a drive or a occupation. And I think his, the conversation that he has with this barber um, who's, who talks about how, well, oh, no, you know, originally, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but then, you know, life happened and I had to take care of my family and this and that. And so now I'm a barber and I love being a barber. It's great. I wouldn't have been a barber if all these other things hadn't happened. Um, and so it's this whole like, well, you know, what was his destined purpose and all this? And, and really the end of the movie is like, no, no, your, your spark is not about what you do. Um, you know, it's, it, it doesn't have this kind of communist message of everyone has their purpose in life. 
we're all ants. <laughs> we do our thing and we march and, and, yep. and this is what you do. Um, but it's much more true in saying that we are more than just our occupations. Yeah. And I think that's a very good thing to, to shout out to the world at large. I think that has value. But when that's your soul, you know, so it really feels like the movie's more saying like what life isn't about. <laughs> it's about <laughs> yeah. like any particular reason for living. It's like, well, it's not about that. It's about just kind of enjoy life. And that's okay at first, but if you really kind of take that to its conclusion, you have nihilism, which yep. is the up and coming philosophy of our modern culture. It really is. Yeah. I mean, just it really is. Look at the zoomers. It's totally nihilistic. Yep. Yep. And it, uh, it doesn't, it's not actually good for you. It's not good for society in general. It's not good for, it's not good for much of anything to be totally nihilistic. It's pretty self-defeating. It is. Which is sad. It is. But that's, that is what it is. Um, so, I mean, my, my wife had some really good insight that this was, um, she said like the only way that, and I'm hoping I can remember her exact words cause they were perfect. Uh, the only way this movie would play well is in a rich, comfortable society like ours hmm. uh, where, you know, she's talking about like, okay, so if life has no pur- purpose, like <laughs> I was thinking this. So uh, spoiler alert, um, this lost preborn soul finally gets her spark. And she gets to go live on earth. She gets to be born. And uh-huh. as they're, as she's kind of flying down to earth, um, the, the kind of continent and focus is Asia. And I'm thinking uh-huh. like, Oh, great. She's going to go get born in China and be aborted. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. and that's how the movie nice. is. You know, what was the point of that? <laughs> right. oh, you got to enjoy life. Not really. Um, it's sad, but it's also like the movie has no answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. so what if she's working at a sweatshop in Mongolia? Mm. <laughs> I guess it I has guess no answer life. for like the hardships in life, just the lack of good things, right? Joe's life isn't bad. It's no, just, it's, it's pretty darn good. good. Right? Like, well, is, even is, then. It is pretty good. He has, he just got a full-time job offer. His, his needs are being met at least financially. Uh, what is it? The, the hierarchy of needs His he has a roof over his head. He has food. Yes. He has meaningful work. Like you're getting pretty far down the hierarchy of needs before he's not getting the things that he needs. And so all in all, like most of us who live in the United States or, or other uh, first world countries, our lives are pretty good, even if they're not exactly what we want. And even if they're not as good as someone else's life appears to be. Yeah. And, and really from his perspective, it's that his life had no real purpose or contribution, right? I mean, he, he goes yeah. through this kind of hall of memories and it's him sitting on the couch and it's him on the subway and it's him taking a shower and it's just like very mundane, nothing, nothing great about it. It's, it's not that his life is bad. It's just, he doesn't see much good. He doesn't really see like any good in it. Um, and as the movie goes on, I mean, we see some things like he was a teacher and he had this profound impact on some of his students. 
uh, mm-hmm. even from when he was first starting out. And, and he's got this, you know, the whole reason why he gets the gig in the first place is because he's idolized by one of his former students who's now a very successful jazz drummer. Whose only reason for coming to school was to go to Joe's music class. Right. And we see a, a couple other characters who are very similar to that, um, who kind of pop in and out about just how important Joe was, even though he, you know, from, you know, like a quote unquote big picture perspective or from his perspective, you know, he doesn't see anything exceptional about his life, yet it still had value. And I think that's really kind of the best message that this movie gives. It is like, this is literally a pro-life movie. (laughs) Life itself has value. Human life has value. Even if it's just being a boring old music teacher at a middle school, that has profound value and it should be cherished and treasured. And we should value our own lives, even if we don't feel or seem to be particularly productive. That doesn't mean that our lives lack value. I think that's a really good message to get across and it's a bummer that there's all this other kind of philosophical <laughs> underpinnings that really kind of undermine your takeaway because that's a really good idea it is it is and when you talk about good ideas that movies present i think i think in all over over all of the movies that we've watched and reviewed so far i think that might be one of the best ideas that is put forth in a movie so far in looking at, hey, your life, your life, yes, but other people's lives too. We have profound value because we're alive. It's something that we talked about in Toy Story. These toys have value because someone loves them. Well, yeah, Soul kind of says the same thing. Is you have you have value just because you are a person and you are alive, and therefore you're able to touch other people's lives in ways that you don't even know. And and I I think that was something that was that the movie kind of dropped the ball on when they yeah. were walking through Joe's hall of hall of horrors, uh, is or whatever that's called, is he didn't see the people that he touched. He didn't see. I mean, they had I think they had one scene where he was talking to Curly, but but they didn't show that Curly grew up to be this awesome jazz drummer. And and you know I I think that was a a missed opportunity by the movie to say to even show Joe like hey. You might not think your life has meaning, but it does. Mm-hmm. And and it, I I think I think that was a that was a huge missed opportunity to to push that point that he yeah. might not feel like his life has meaning, but other people do, and other people he's touching other lives, and therefore his life is worth living and to be honest i thought that was going to be kind of the moral of the story was that his spark wasn't just playing piano his spark was how he touched all these other people's lives and that he did care about cultivating passion in other people we see that from the very first scene where he's dealing with these middle schoolers most of whom are just these apathetic kids who don't want to be there (laughs) they're really not putting in an awful lot of effort uh, you know, see, so we see one guy trying to suck Skittles off the floor through his <laughs> trumpet and, you know, somebody else is snoring into his tuba or something. And they're just like, Aww. they're just not there. But 
he's really trying to cultivate this passion in them. And in those who really do enjoy music, he really tries to nurture that. And so I really thought that's kind of where the movie was going to be going, was to be emphasizing that like, just as he kind of coached all these kids in school, he's now going to coach this, you know, lost preborn soul. Um, but then it kind of took this other real existential mm-hmm. turn at the end. And yeah, so, and, and really the most disappointing scene for me was, um, like the ending itself, like the second to the last scene. Um, he's, you know, he's essentially sacrificed himself um, because there's, you know, you have a, whatever it's called a soul pass or something like that, which allows you to get back to earth. Yep. And he's, he's uh, the, the lost soul, soul 22 has, has given him its pass so that Joe can go back and do his gig and all that. And, and he realizes the mistake he's made. He comes back and he rescues Soul 22 and gives her the pass and you know, goes down with her so that she can go be born. And then he's um, carried up to the moving escalator to heaven. Um, the, the guitar fretboard that goes down. Yes. Heaven. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, and, and heaven, by the way, is a really scary place in this movie. Um, it's a bug zapper. I, that's exactly what it is. It's it's a bug zapper, man. It's a soul bug zapper. Yep. And it's always put in these super negative terms. You really don't want to go there. Is basically the gist. And so kind of yeah. But Joe's like ah well you know I I sacrificed and so he's you know on his way and and he gets kind of this uh, Deus Ex Machina type of save at the very end where the Jerry's come and the whatever, I don't know, personifications of God or angels or something. I don't even know. Give him his second chance. And I was like, that really sucked. And the, and the sad thing is, is there's, there's the only lesson he learns seemingly is that he's going to live his life and, and he's, he's not going to, he's not going to ignore life anymore. Mm-hmm. Where you would wish that the lesson he would learn is, yes, I can play in jazz bands and yes, that's cool. But my purpose, my spark is touching other people, just like I did with 22, just like I did with Curly, just like I'm doing with the the little girl that's playing the trombone. Like that's his purpose in life is to be that person for other people. And that's why it feels like his growth is incomplete because he doesn't yeah. get any kind of altruism, right? We don't see that come to fruition. He's not living for others. He's still basically living for himself. Yeah. Just like everyone else should. Yeah. Living for others, living for yourself, I guess. I don't know. You know. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. But in the end, his sacrifice is negated, which I think is awful. <laughs> I was uh, like, yeah I saw it coming and it just felt wrong and yep. and the whole lesson is just kind of like live life as well as you can and avoid death as long as you may basically since he spends the majority of this movie running away from death because well he finally got finally got what he's been wanting his whole life and death is gonna wait a minute because I'm not done yet it's all about me yeah which feels out of character. It does. 
because he doesn't seem like that. Well, I mean, maybe in some ways, but it feels, I mean, like, it, it doesn't, it feels like it's a jilted development. Yeah, it doesn't feel out of character for him. It just feels like he never grew. So, you know, that's one of the things we've talked about in other movies is, is which characters grew. And I think we see the character 22. She grows a lot. We see, we see Joe's mom. She grows. We don't really see Joe grow. We see him just kind of change perspectives a little bit. I I would say he does have growth, but at the same time, like you said, there's a lot of potential in there and it just got kind of muddled up. Yeah. And I feel like going into it, we were expecting a lot of these things kind of were set up so that there was a lot of potential for growth and mm-hmm. then just a lot of missed potential. Yeah. Well, the, the whole yeah. kind of ending climax really did a bit of a disservice in some ways to his character development. I think it did. In addition to returning us to the trippy world, which I wanted to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, mm. I, I enjoyed some of the moments from the trippy world, like him jumping into the hole to go to Earth, and he did it a couple times, and tried to, tried to hold on to another, another soul as he jumped in. I, I, you know, it was a fun gag. Yeah, but that, that's that's kind of all that world was was a fun gag. Most of the fun so, stuff really took place on Earth, which again I think is kind of part of the point of the story is that. All uh-huh. the fun stuff happens on Earth. Yeah, and it, it really undermines the fact that I do believe that heaven is the place that we really want to be. Yeah. And Earth is just kind of the place we're at until we get there. It's and not that there isn't things to be done here, but that this is not the best it will ever be. This is not what we were designed for. That too. And it's a fallen place. And we get mm-hmm. kind of a taste of that, that there's imperfection in the world and there's an expectation of perfection, but we never get to see what that is because the only thing yeah. that's barely perfect is the great, what it was called the great before where all the souls are before they're born, which is just so bland. Mm-hmm. And so really the only place that in the movie is worth being in is life on earth. Yeah, well, and then on top of that, not only is is the the great before so bland, but the gods of that world are very arbitrary in what they choose. They're like, well, you four go over there and get that type of personality, and I guess you two go there, and the rest of you just go over there. I'm I'm done with you all. Yes, and it's, it, <laughs> which is uh, last, but also very. It's another one of those things that just didn't make sense of the world that they had painted. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I feel like we've we've uh, ripped this movie a new one and uh, (laughs) thoroughly, thoroughly displayed our displeasure in it. So some nitpicking here. Uh, Cats go to heaven, too. Come on. We all know that cats don't go to heaven. Dogs. Sure. Right. Nope. I mean, all dogs go to heaven. I realize that's not a Disney movie, but all dogs go to heaven. Yeah. So, you know, when when uh, they when they're both when they find themselves in the body swap part of this movie and Joe is now in the cat, they're like, well, then where did the cat soul go? And they do a quick cut to the cat who's on the guitar, uh, the, the fretboard to heaven. And the guitar's like, meow. Like, what? <laughs> what? 
So apparently Cat goes to heaven and I presumably gets zapped because everyone else gets zapped pretty quickly in the, you know, the bug zapper heaven. But then at the end of the movie, the cat's alive again. Nine lives. It's got to be because they have nine lives. Okay. All right. I'll. Okay. That's a, you know what? That's as good enough an explanation as, as I can come up with. And I guess that cat just has one less life to yep. live now. All right. We'll go with that. Okay. So next question then, uh, cause that brings up a whole host of other questions is if you're in a coma, is your soul just kind of chilling on the fretboard to heaven? Like it is, is every coma patient, is their soul like running away from heaven or, or is there another place where coma patients go? Because Joe's in a coma and his soul has left him. I'm not sure how to answer that. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously like the body goes on without the soul kind of thing. Sort of a weird dualities going on. Yeah. These, these metaphysical questions that I don't like. Uh huh. Part that annoyed me the most was, and I don't know, this is like, uh, maybe it's just me. It's probably not. It's not. But <laughs> the whole like time thing, like, why does time take place before you're born? It doesn't. You know, why, why does Soul 22, why has she been in the, you know, the, the, the daycare for souls for thousands of years? Well, she she has, but she also hasn't. She they she says she says very specifically that time is different and doesn't act the same in the before time. But now, yet it does when, act exactly the same. Kind of. When Joe first finds himself in the great before, he he is accosted by a group of tiny souls, and when the first Jerry he meets come over comes over to rescue him, she calls one of the souls like. 17 or 27 or 30 something like it's a it's a double digit number she says which means that soul has been there almost as long as 22 has but that soul is a a tiny little moron it doesn't know what's going on so does time really matter so some other things here and and i uh you can look at uh some some easter egg stuff in the hall of i guess spark finding whatever that area was called there are any number of objects that you see sure whatever there was the uh the pizza delivery truck from toy story there was the uh, there was there was a ferris wheel from toy story 4 there was any number of other stuff in there there was also the spaceship from wally that this movie Clearly has taken place before Wally because Wally happens in the far distant future when humans have left the earth and you, you find that out in Wally. So this place not only contains things that are from Joe's time and have happened in Joe's time, it also contains items from the future. So the time before, I think we can, if only, and you know what, maybe Pixar put these in just as Easter eggs, but I'm going to, I'm going to, take the movie for what, what they made it as it has items from the future, (laughs) right? It has items from the future and the past. And so therefore the time before is, is a time that's out of time. It's, it's outside of our realm of time. Mostly, even though there is the place in there that is the place where you go, if you're in the zone 
or if you you've lost your purpose or whatever that was i still don't quite understand yeah i just thought it was like really depressed yeah which uh, that seems like that's that's a weird thing but uh but yeah so i I, i'm i'm okay hand waving that that time doesn't really work there because they set it up to be weird like that so i don't know that was a question for me, but but then I answered it by watching some videos of <laughs> other smart people. I don't know. I'm still not convinced. It was just all, yeah, it just didn't make an awful lot of sense at the time. Yeah, it's all, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's all it's all metaphysical nonsense. Well, okay, so let's talk about more metaphysical nonsense. Uh, so what happened to Captain uh, what's his nuts, Captain Moonwind? Like his ship went down and his soul got swallowed into the world into the earth and then they cut back to him and he, he does a salute standing at attention. Does Moonwind die at that point? I was kind of wondering that. And then more trippy stuff happened and I was distracted. So yeah, I'm not quite sure what happens to Moonwind because his soul doesn't go to the, to the bug zapper heaven, but, but it, right. Is he like depressed now and his other mystics have to come save him or something? Yeah, that's a question. I don't know how to answer that question. I think you need more of some special stuff. Bongos and things. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs to go to his local bongo dealer. Or if you're a friend. <laughs> bongo. Uh, <if> watched... <laughs> Let's see. What is it in, in How I Met Your Mother? Oh, sandwiches. Go to your go to your local sandwich shop. Wink. Uh, yeah. So that's a that's a question. Uh, and that's uh, how did how did Terry not realize that his count was off at the end of the movie? Like he's supposed to always be counting, and he's duped by someone just kind of randomly. Does the old like, tap beam. on your shoulder trick? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that he's a moron, but wow! And but he like, didn't look back and go, to "Be God!" Like, uh, why is God not omniscient? And all that kind of stuff, right? Like the point is like they're they're outside of time and space, right? They're these uh-huh. sort of abstracts, but yet it takes him time to track down Joe and all this. Yeah. That's what I mean about like the whole time thing just not making any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But we had to have like some kind of sort of bad guy foil thing. So I guess that's what it was. Sure. Yeah, anyway. Let's see. Oh, here's another good one. And I heard this one from someone else. So credit to credit to whoever I heard this one from. I wish I knew or else I'd give it to them. Uh, Joe's mom doesn't seem to be phased that Joe is having a conversation with the cat. And the movie plays it off really nicely because they have a nice little, uh, I guess, scene change where you no longer hear the cat talking to Joe. But but, you know, because of the way they set up the scene that that cat joe is talking to 22 in joe's body to tell joe's body what to say to mom <laughs> but can you imagine like how that break up the scene <laughs> you have you know joe's body going like mom i need to tell you something <laughs> blah 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 something sentimental <laughs> something else sentimental (laughs) and he's never been there for me (laughs) (laughs) right like i just 
<laughs> be such a weird okay. juxtaposition. It wouldn't. Oh work. my gosh! I want to see it as an outtake. I like, know. I <laughs> like, come on! Somebody had to put that in there at some point. I mean, uh, uh, I miss those outtakes. Anyway. Yeah, so there's that. Also, uh, how does Moonwind understand Cat Joe? Because he does, but he's the only one. Because he is tripping balloons. Yeah, that's probably true. Oh, gosh. Well, that's all I had for nitpicking and unanswerable questions for this movie. Yeah, there was some big nits to pick. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some uh, some parental warnings and guidance. Uh, in terms of action, there's a chase scene at the end that's kind of suspenseful. Uh, when Joe is in the beginning of the movie, when he dies and he's like falling through whatever, that's weird. Uh, like you said, all of the existential are we are we dead stuff like that's that's trippy. It's I don't know if it's really- like. This doesn't really feel like a kid's movie, to be honest. I think that's the point I got to when I finished this movie. I went, wow, I am I am not sharing this with my children for a long time. Not because there was like anything particularly wrong with it. It's not like, oh, it was gory or like bad words or something like that. Just that it's not content appropriate. Just they'll get bored (laughs) so fast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. If they're not captivated by the jazz music and the pretty colors, they'll be like, huh? Well, like I did when I watched this movie for the second time. I fell asleep because I was bored. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I guess if you want a movie to put your kids to sleep, skip the jazz parts. <laughs> they'll fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no real warnings other than I just I I don't know overall if it's a children's movie. So there you go. That's my that's my final. I think that's my final thought is that this movie isn't a children's movie, even though it's by Pixar. It feels like actually and this is a point my wife made is that it it's a movie that is for the people that grew up watching Toy Star or Toy. Yeah, Toy Star, that is exactly Pixar movies. The appeal is is yeah. kind of to the, the Gen X and millennials. Yeah, it's to us who grew up and now we're in Joe's position. Mm-hmm. Now we're approaching middle age or somewhere thereabouts, <laughs> or at least thinking about approaching middle age. <laughs> yeah, some of us closer than others. But, you know, I think I think that's my final takeaway is that the movie was all right. It wasn't great. It left a whole lot on the table in terms of the big ideas it presented. And it's just not a children's movie. I feel like it's it's a fascinating insight, but there's just so much to wade through yeah. that I'm not sure it's worth it. Like maybe it is. I, see, I think the I, I feel like think the, there's something else that does that better. You know what? I mean? Yeah, that's is that's kind of the point I get that to. explains existentialism. <laughs> yeah. Well, and by the time your children are asking those kind of questions you open up to the broader world of that's gonna be horse and buggy i'm not gonna have a tv <laughs> well not even that i mean you've got you've got adult movies that you can watch that oh, explore yeah. existentialism like so by the time your children are at the point of being ready to watch this movie and being able to talk about it and answer the questions that this movie is asking you have the whole world of cinema open to you now maybe not the whole world 
and yes, it's still still parental guidance advised for that. But but seriously, you have all the movies that deal with life. Mm-hmm. And I think there are oh so many movies that are better at that than Soul. And I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but I'm sure we could come I up with a I feel like of, somebody's done it, has executed that better. Yes. And to be and honest, so all this you need is to maybe do, a side tangent, but like by the time our kids, my kids specifically, are old enough that watching this movie won't be just boring, um, as a society, we will have progressed past existentialism straight to nihilism. So I feel like yeah. I'm not sure it will be relevant. Probably not. Probably not. So, yeah, I guess if your children are old enough right now to enjoy and appreciate Soul, I guess you could watch it with them. Okay. Here's the kids that should watch Soul. Um, older children slash young adults who are really super into some particular passion and it's playing havoc on their lives. This, it's consuming I them. think, is a good reset movie to just okay. kind of reevaluate your life. Some, if okay. you got some I, kid who's just all about baseball, that's their life. This might be a good movie to watch. Well, there you go. We found a use for it. Bam. Cool. Well, then I'm going to say job well done, and uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna call it at that because. Woof, this movie. Not not a favorite of mine. It's a wrap. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So if you've made it this far in our show, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, you should do that on whatever podcast app you use or player. Uh, if you want to talk to us, we are on, and I, I just set these up a couple days ago, which I guess by the time you're listening to this will be like months ago. But anyway... If you want to get it to us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, on all of those, we are at Living Movies Pod, and we would love to hear back from you. So comment on our our Instagram post or join our Facebook page or uh, tweet at us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So do that. Uh, like us on iTunes, write a review if you want. Tell other people about us, you know, all of the things. But uh, thanks for thanks for listening. I'm... I have thoroughly enjoyed doing these, Jared. Thanks for hanging out with me and talking about this movie. Oh, yeah. And we will catch y'all next time. All right, next week we're doing Incredibles. Oh, Oh my gosh. I'm down for that. (laughs) This was a... Wow. I think you didn't Uh, like this movie more than I didn't like this movie. And I didn't like this movie. I did not like this. Like, I mean, I feel like we, we came up with some good reasons to watch the movie. Like there's, there's like buried in the movie, but gosh, I don't like it. I didn't like it. It was just like a couple scenes in, I wanted to like the movie and then a couple more scenes in. And I was like, this sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when he dies and, and goes to the other place. I was like, oh my gosh, this is rough. Uh, yeah, I was, wow, yeah, rough movie. Okay, Incredibles next week. I like that idea.